I'm thankful tonight. I'm so thankful for that worship team. I'm thankful for the opportunity to have another WOG on Wednesday. I'm thankful for you men who served us so well once again tonight, served our meal, cleaned up. That little barn is filled with men tonight taking care of our kids. What a blessing that is. But I think maybe most of all, I'm thankful that I didn't scare too many of you men off the first time we did this, and you came back again a second time. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. I'm excited for the message that he has given me for this evening. As Matt mentioned, uh, we've had some sickness in my house. First, I was sick, and then my girls both got sick, so I have had to miss two Sunday mornings in a row. And let me tell you, that just, that did not sit right with me. Um, I was grumpy, and I was sad about it on Sunday. I'm not saying that's right because it wasn't right, but I was grumpy about it because I wanted to be here. And that's when you know, y'all, that you are a family. When it just doesn't sit right with you to not be here. When you miss worshiping with the people that you call family. And so that was me Sunday. I was a little grieved by not being able to be here. But the Lord, he saw to my wounded heart by giving me a message for us tonight. And I'm really thankful for it. So turn with me, if you will, tonight to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be reading verses 14 through 30 in just a moment. This is one of my most favorite parables. I love Jesus' parables, but this is one of my most favorite because I think if I had to choose one parable that changed my life the most, that impacted my life the most, I really believe it would be this one, the parable of the talents. Growing up, my dad would often quote Luke 12:48 to me. Now, I don't think he knew he was quoting Luke 12:48, but he knew what he was saying was in the Bible. So he would say to me and my brother, he would say, look, to whom much is given, much is required. Tara, to whom much is given, much is required. And I was always like, yeah, uh-huh, I know, Dad. You've told me like a million times. And it was kind of in one ear and out the other. But later in life, when I began to start studying this parable in Matthew 25, my dad's words really began to sink in. And I see now that the Lord, he had used my dad to plant a seed in my heart that was going to need to be watered and was going to need to grow because it was going to need to produce some fruit. Before we jump in to this parable, I want to set the scene real quick concerning the context in which Jesus taught it. Because if you just jump in and read this parable by itself, honestly, it's still a really good parable. But if you read it, understanding the context in which Jesus taught it, that, that is when it really hits home. Jesus had been teaching his disciples about when he was going to return after his death. He had been teaching his disciples about the second coming, the one that we're still waiting for today, right? 
And he was explaining to them, look, no one knows the day or the hour. You cannot predict it. Sure, I can give you some signs that you can look for, but the exact day, the exact time, no one knows. And he told them, look, it may seem like it's taken me a long time. But hey, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So be ready. Live ready. And so it's in the midst of these conversations that Jesus then begins to tell them this parable in Matthew chapter 25 to help them understand how they can do that. How they can live purposefully prepared and expectant for his return. We're going to read it together. It's 16 verses. That's kind of a lot for a message. Please, don't zone out in hopes of getting back to the message. This is the message. There is nothing that I'm going to say tonight that is going to be better than what I'm about to read. And God may have a word for you that he didn't even show me. And let me tell you, you don't want to miss it. You don't, you don't want to miss what it is. So let's read this together, focus in on it together, and see what he has for us tonight. I think it will be on the screen as well. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Remember, he's talking about his second coming. And he says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hugged and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him 
and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray one more time. Father, Lord, God, help us to understand tonight the weightiness of your word and the impact that it should have on our lives. God, you gave it to us to help us, to show us so that we wouldn't be caught off guard. Lord, you have taught me that I can deliver the most eloquent message or the most basic message, and it doesn't matter at all. All that matters is that your Holy Spirit goes forth, and it takes the truth and and implants them into our heart, and it changes our lives. So, God, I just pray above all else, Father, that your Spirit would do that tonight, that it would be in this place right now, that it would fill this room. And as we learn together, God, that it would come to us and it would change us, and that we would grow and become more like you. And use this life that you have given us. Make it count for something. And we ask all these things in the name and in the power of Jesus. Amen. So the master in this parable, he's going away on a journey. And he's entrusted to each of his servants a certain number of talents according to their own abilities, right? The King James Version and the ESV translation, which I read from tonight, uses the word talents. Some of you may have the NIV. It uses the term bags of gold. The New Living Translation uses the term bags of silver. But it's clear that regardless of the term, whether it's a talent or a bag of gold or a bag of silver, that term was meant to represent a significant monetary amount. A significant amount. You see, growing up, when I heard this parable as a child, I think I always focused on the numbers 5, 2, and 1. So in my mind, I was always like, well, that wicked servant only had one little talent. Bless his heart. You know, what what could he have done with one little talent? But no, that is not what is going on here. Those talents represent a significant amount. For example, the five talents is thought to have been the equivalent of about 95 years worth of salary. 95 years. The two talents is thought to have been the equivalent of somewhere around 38 years of salary. And the one talent is thought to have been the equivalent of about 19 years of salary. So now let's put that into today's terms for us, okay? According to Google, in America today, the average salary is $50,000. The average yearly salary is $50,000. So today, those five talents would be like $4.75 million. The two talents would be close to $2.5 million. And the one talent would be worth almost $1 million. Dollars. That's a lot of money. Those servants, they were sitting on a gold mine. 
They were sitting on a gold mine. And maybe you never realized that either. Maybe you didn't know that either. Maybe you're also sitting there right now thinking, wow, that's some really cool, useless information. Thank you for that, Tara. You're welcome. But you see, I think Jesus chose that exorbitant amount for a reason. He wants us to understand something. You're sitting on a gold mine. You're sitting on a gold mine. He's saying, look, I didn't just gift you with one or two things that you might be able to muster up and rub them together and maybe be able to use them for my glory and for my kingdom. No. You're sitting on a gold mine. Think about it for a second. All of the gifts and energies, resources, education, intellect, expertise, experiences, abilities, and relationships that the Lord has blessed you with. You're sitting on a gold mine. And he wants us to understand that. Because some of us just do not view ourselves the way that the Lord sees us. I've talked to um, parents of some teenagers, teenagers especially, about their kids just going through these stages when they just have such a negative view of themselves. And it breaks the, parent, the parent's heart that, that their child sees themselves as not talented or not smart or not likable, or not attractive, and the parent, the parent is so frustrated because they know that those are lies from the enemy. And the parent is like, if they could only see themselves the way that I see them. Some of us tonight need to get a glimpse of the way that God sees us. How he sees you seated on top of all of those resources that he has given you, seated on top of that gold mine of gifts and abilities and relationships and expertise that he has entrusted only to you. We need to get an understanding of that because he's expecting us to do something with those things, right? He's expecting us to use them, to invest them, and to leverage them for his kingdom and for his glory. He gave those things to us for a reason. Amen? What are you doing with them? What are you doing with them? Now we can also glean from this parable that God has gifted us all differently. And he has gifted some of us with more gifts than others. But was God in the parable, was he any more pleased with the servant who had the five talents than he was with the servant who had the two talents? No. His response to them was exactly the same. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. He didn't expect the servant with the two talents to yield as much as the servant with the five talents, right? Listen, God will never expect you to do something that he has not equipped you to accomplish. But he does 
expect you to do something with the things for which he has equipped you. He makes that clear in his word. If Jesus came back tonight, if Jesus came back right now, which servant would you be? I want you to ask yourself that question tonight. How would he respond to you and what you've done with the things that he has entrusted to you? Would it be, well done, good and faithful servant? You have been faithful with a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Man, I hope so. That's been my prayer. That that's how the master would respond. Or, it's hard for me to even say the words. Would it be, you wicked and lazy servant? I gave you all of these gifts. All of these abilities. What did you do with them? And I realize that that is a difficult question to ask ourselves tonight. And I realize that this is not an easy message. Sometimes I get to teach on great, feel-good, happy messages. But you know what? This is going to be one of those too. But sometimes I also have to teach through difficult passages. And tonight, I think it's important that we are real with ourselves while we still have time to change. Because the good news is that we still have time to change. He's not returned yet, so we still got some time to get it together. But we have to figure out what's been keeping us from investing into the kingdom in the first place, right? We've got to figure out what's been causing us to bury our treasures in the ground. And so tonight, I want us to take a minute to look at that wicked servant's response one more time. And see if we can uncover some of the reasons why the wicked servant did what he did. So that then we can understand why we do it too. So let's go back to the passage. And let's read verses 24 and 25 together. And let's look at that wicked servant's response one more time. Verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Did you see it? Did you catch it? He was afraid, but... Why was he afraid? The wicked servant, he didn't really know the master all that well, did he? He just thought of the master as a hard man who reaped where he didn't sow. He didn't realize that the master knew him. Y'all, the master knows you. But he didn't realize that the master knew him and the master had given him that talent according to his own ability. But he had a misperception of who the master was. He didn't really know him that well. And that caused him not to trust the master, but to only fear him. Some of us here tonight, 
are not using the gifts and the abilities and the resource and the expertise that the Lord has given us because we have a misperception of our master. And that misperception of who he is is causing us not to step out in faith trusting him, but it's causing us to stand back, cower in fear, dig our treasures and put them in the ground and quite frankly, waste our time. Waste our time. Fear controlled the wicked servant. He was so afraid of doing it wrong that he was just going to do nothing at all. You ever been there? I've been there. He was so afraid of doing it wrong, he was just going to do nothing at all. I want to make sure you know that fear is the enemy of fruit. Fear is the enemy of fruit. Fear will stop you in your tracks and it will shackle you from moving forward. I know that from experience. It's tried to do that to me one too many times. It's gotten one shackle on one foot and the Lord has had to rip it off to get me to keep going again. But listen, if that's you, if that's you here tonight, we can find the strength to overcome that fear. And we have to. Because that excuse, that excuse it doesn't work with the master. It doesn't work with the master. The wicked servant in this parable, he blatantly and honestly and genuinely admitted to the master that he was afraid. And even though we have a loving and compassionate God, we see that that honest admittance of fear did not alter his consequences, which were severe, right? It's normal to fear, just like it's normal to sin, but that doesn't make it okay. That doesn't make it right. We have to find the strength to overcome that fear, and we can do that. We can do that because 2 Timothy 1.17 tells us that the Lord, he does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And I don't know about you all, but I need a sound mind. Man, My mind will wreak havoc on my life if left to itself. I need a sound mind, not controlled by fear, not controlled by worry or anxiousness. And the only way I can get that is through his word and through being with the master. He can give that to us. He can help us overcome those things. And then Isaiah 41.10, it tells us that we don't have to fear because our God, he goes with us. And he strengthens us. And he upholds us with his righteous hand. He can help us overcome it, y'all. He can do that. And look, as you spend more time with the master, as you come to understand who he really is in a more intimate way than maybe that you do right now, as you spend more time in his word, As you look back over your life and see his faithful hand of provision and care that has followed you everywhere you have gone, you will come to realize that there is no one more deserving of your trust than the master. No one. And so when he has gifted you with something, you can trust that he will hold you up as you begin to use it for his kingdom and his glory, no matter how hard or scary or strange that may seem. 
Do you know what seems a little strange to me sometimes? Doing this. Being up here. Doing this. You see, I never thought in a million years that I would be up here doing this. Y'all, it wasn't even in my realm of possibility. It wasn't even in my realm of possibility. Don't box the Lord in on what he could do because this was not in my realm of possibility. But you see, what happened is I started to fall in love with the word of God. I could never had before. I was consumed by it. I couldn't get enough of it. And then I started falling in love with my Savior in a way that I had never known before. And he, he became not only my best friend, but also my Lord. And those are two distinct things. And then people started telling me, you've got the gift to teach. Terry, you've you got the gift to teach. You should really consider teaching. I had no idea what to do with that. I had no options in front of me. No opportunities laid out for me where I could just pick up and start doing that. So I began to pray about it. And the Lord, he said, hey, start a women's ministry. And I was like, what? We don't have one of those. And a lot of churches don't have one of those. It's going to be weird. And I was scared. I was scared and I prayed about it. And I had so much fear. But I mustered up as much faith as I could and I took a step into those waves, and it held. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. The women, they're excited about it. They're supporting this. Oh, praise you, Jesus. I, I heard from you right. And then all of a sudden, one foot on the shore, one foot in the waves, I realized somebody's got to teach this women's ministry. And I'm pretty sure that's probably going to have to be me. And I was scared. I was really scared. And so I was like, Lord, I, I need your help. you got to help me get through this because I'm scared. And, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Nobody's ever taught me to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. And I picked up one foot. And it held. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And this time, I was further away from the shore than before, but I was more secure than ever because I realized that it was not my own two feet holding me up, but his almighty righteous hand holding me up. And then he said, go to seminary. Are you kidding me? Like, what? Like, I definitely misheard that one. Go to seminary. God, maybe you don't realize this, but like, I'm a grown woman. I've got two kids at home. It's been forever since I was in undergrad. Like, go to seminary. There's more resources that you're going to need than I want you to have. Nobody's going to understand this. This is weird, God. And I was scared. How am I going to get the time to do this? I haven't written a paper in eight years. And I was scared. But I pulled up as much faith as I could. And I took another step into the waves, and do you know what? It held. Praise Jesus, it held. And I just keep taking step after step after step, and he keeps holding me up with his almighty, righteous hand. 
And you all, that is what it is like as you start letting go of fear and holding on to faith. You just take one step after another, after another. And when you're hearing his voice, he keeps holding you up. Some of you in here know that all too well. Because you've done it too. You're doing it too. Man, Whitney, right now, stepping up, putting together this worship team, just taking one step after another, one step after another. Our sound guys in the back, giving of their time and their abilities so that we can do this, just putting one step after another. Michelle, I don't know if you know Michelle. She's actually not here tonight. This is the rarest thing ever. Michelle, you want to know what her Wednesdays look like? She works all day. And then she's the first one here, and she's down there, and she makes tea for all of us. And that's a lengthier process than what you would think. And then she comes up here, and as we go through the line, she stands at that table, and she serves us our tea. And then she's the last person to go sit down and eat her meal. And then do you know what she does after that? Nine times out of ten, she's down there in that little barn teaching our kids. She's just a worker. Just a worker using the abilities that the Lord has given her, taking one step after another. Our elders are doing the same thing. Blessed with the leadership skills and abilities that the Lord has given them, leveraging so much of their time right now to lead this church. The list could go on and on because so many of you in here are doing the same thing. Some of you for the very first time, and it has been the most incredible thing to witness. People stepping up to lead just out of nowhere, willing to put in the time, willing to put out in the effort. It's incredible to watch. But the Lord, he is not done yet. He's not done yet. He's calling more of you. And I'm willing to bet that you've already heard his voice. He's been preparing you for this word that he was going to implant into you tonight. You've already heard his voice. He's calling you out. It's time to get busy. He's got more to do. We're going to kick off life groups in the fall. Guess what? We're going to need teachers. We're going to need people who are willing to host those. We always need people down there in that kid's barn. There's always going to be an area to serve. But please, don't just serve inside this church. Don't just use your abilities and your gifts to serve inside this church. Remember, what are you sitting on? A gold mine. You're sitting on a gold mine. You don't just have one or two things that you might be able to use in this church. You're sitting on a gold mine. Don't just use your gifts and your abilities inside of these walls. Use them out there too. If the Lord has given you the gift of encouragement, be known for that in your workplace. Be distinctly different, as Dan talked about on Sunday. May they be like, what is wrong with that girl? She just all the time is encouraging, so positive and happy. If God has given you the gift of financial resources, bless those who don't have that same gift. If God has... Whatever it is, if he's given you the gift of time, invest it in the lonely, in the hurting, and then in the depressed. Because the thing is, when you use them out there, the world, they're going to want to know why. 
They're going to want to know why, why. Why are you doing this? And then that gives you the opportunity to open up the mouth that the Lord has given you and tell, tell them why. Tell them why. And then church, if we live like that, inside of these walls and outside of these walls, a world will flock to see what that is all about. And that's the whole point, right? That's the whole point. That's why Jesus wants us to use our gifts and abilities to begin with. Not just so that we, in, we get to heaven, we can get a little pat on the back. No. It's because there is a lost world. There are people that you come into contact with every single day who are dying and going to hell. And the Bible says that we are going to be the way that they come to know him. But we got to hurry. And we got to start acting like we're here for a purpose and we are living this life for a purpose because he's coming back. He is coming back and we, we don't know when that's going to be. So we have to live like it could be at any moment, right? And Jesus, he told us this parable to teach us how to do that. To teach us how to live in a way that shows that we are expectantly waiting and watching for his return. Or maybe it's not fear that keeps you from using what the Lord has given you. Remember, we're being honest with ourselves tonight, right? Head nods, right? Maybe it's just laziness or selfishness. We start to think it's my time and it's my money and my abilities. So I'm going to use them for my happiness. Look, if that's your plan, I can tell you 100% certain that will never work that will never work if you are a child of God I can assure you that will never work hoarding all of those things up for yourself will only will only end up making you miserable it will only end up making you miserable because that is what sin does sin brings destruction and misery so if you think you're going to save all that time for you save all that money for you, all those abilities for you, then prepare to be miserable. Because as a child of God, that will never work. Look, as hard as it is to leverage your resources and your ability and your time, and look, it is going to be hard. I'm not going to lie to you. Jesus always told the hard truth, didn't he? He always told the hard truth, and I'm not going to lie to you tonight. It will be hard. But it will also be the greatest blessing of your life. When you start to live this way, it will be the greatest blessing that you ever experience. Because through it, you will become that much closer to Jesus and that much more like him. And that is worth it all. It's worth it all. If you ask my brother what it's been like being a part of this church. He was one of the, the main people to plant this church six years ago. And if you ask him, hey, Travis, what's that been like? He will tell you that it has simultaneously been the hardest thing he's ever been a part of and the greatest thing that he has ever been a part of. 
That's what he says, right? You see, a lot of times the greatest and the hardest, they just go hand in hand. We want the great without the hard, and that's just not the way it works. But he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. And I feel led to say one other thing that is totally a side note, so I'm just going to say it anyways. Your gifts, they didn't come with an expiration date. I'm not making eye contact with anyone right now, but if you are maybe in the later years of your life and you're thinking, man, I wish I would have heard this message 20 years ago. Your gifts, they didn't come with an expiration date. You've still got them. And the Lord is not finished with you yet. And this church is not finished with you yet. We need the gifts that you have to offer. We honor them. We value them. They are so important. He's not done with you yet. There is no expiration date. If I ever go out of town on like a girl's trip and leave my husband and my girls at home, I'll call them every day. I'll usually FaceTime them every day. And I'll notice in the background of those FaceTimes that my house does not look like my house usually looks. You know those throw pillows, ladies? that we like to put all over our couches, all over the bed. Well, those throw pillows, they're not on the couch. They're not on the bed. I don't get it. They're usually in the floor, crumpled up with some blankets. And my kitchen counter, it's covered with, like, bowls and 87,000 cups. I mean, how in three days do they use 87,000 cups? I don't know, but they're there on my kitchen counter. But you see, Matt... He knows when I'm coming home. And usually, if I'm driving home and I'm about an hour away, I'll get a phone call to, to see where I'm at. And magically, because he is an incredible husband, the moment I walk into that door, my house is whipped into shape. Now, Matt and my girls, they may be like half passed out, breathing hard, laying on the couch from running around for the past hour, getting it all together. But it's clean because they knew when mom was coming home. Look, we aren't going to get that 30-minute warning when the Lord comes to take us home. We have to live every day ready, ready for the moment when, praise God, that trumpet, it's going to blow. It is going to blow. And let me tell you, last night as I was going over the final pieces of this message in my office, I got to this point in the message and the Lord hit me like a ton of bricks. This is the problem. I really believe the reason that we don't live expectantly waiting for his return is because we've come so numb to the idea of it. We've heard it for so long. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to return. He's going to come back. We've heard that for so long that we're just numb to it. Our hearts are numb. Our mind is numb. And I really feel like that's what the Lord showed me last night. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with that, Lord? So I got down on the knees, on my knees in my office at home, and I just began to pray. God, help us see. God, if it's been numb in our hearts for years, God, start chiseling it away tomorrow night. 
start chiseling it away. Make it real to us again that you're coming back, that the trumpet is going to blow, that you're coming to get your children. Make it real to us again because that's the whole key. If that is real to you, if you really believe that, it will change the way that you live. It will change us. So I pray that he's doing that in your heart, that he's chiseling away at that, reminding you this isn't some age-old story. There was a time they were waiting on the Messiah too. And they thought, I've heard there's going to be a Messiah. I heard, I heard there's going to be a Messiah. We've been waiting on this forever. Guess what? There was a Messiah. Now we're like, well, we've been waiting. It's been, you know, Jesus told them. It's probably going to seem like it's going to take a while. But just like I came the first time, I'm going to come back the second time too. Amen? Worship team, you all can come. Um, if you will, my lifelong best friend, her name is Jessica McKay. Some of you might have met her. Her husband, he's one of our missionary partners. He actually spoke here a few Wednesday nights ago. And Matt, he stood up here to introduce Stephen, and he told you all, hey, he's the real deal. Stephen's the real deal. And he was right. Stephen is a man who has spent so much time with the Lord that it is written on the countenance of his face. I don't know how to explain it other than that. He spent so much time with the Lord that you can't help but see it every day of his life. He's preached the gospel to some of the most unreached nations. And he has literally seen thousands come to know Jesus as their savior. It's incredible. One day a couple years ago, I had stopped by to have lunch with Jess at her house, as I often did. And she and I, we were sitting in her kitchen just having lunch, just chatting. And all of a sudden, Stephen comes bursting through the door from his workshop in the garage and he's like, he's coming soon. Hallelujah, I think it's going to be soon. I hope it's today. I hope it's today. He's coming soon. I can't wait to see my Savior. I hope it's today. Hallelujah, I hope it's today. And I looked at Jess and I was like, what did you feed him for breakfast? Like it was either really good or it was so bad he just wants out of here. But Stephen, he made such an impression on me that day. I remember calling Matt and telling him about what had happened. And you know, sometimes I'll say the same things. Oh, I can't wait to see my Savior. I hope Jesus returns soon. And you know what? I really mean that. I really do. When I say those things, I really mean it. But in the back of my mind, I'm also like, man, I wish I had a lot more to show for this life. Now, please don't get me wrong. We cannot earn God's love or his favor or his salvation. Those are gifts from the Lord. We are saved by, by faith alone, not by works, lest any man can boast. We are saved through faith. We cannot earn his approval or his salvation. But if you are in this room and you are truly saved, and you have a relationship with Jesus, 
then your love and your gratitude for him, for him should cause you to genuinely and strongly desire to want to spend every day of your life serving him, leveraging the resources and the abilities that he has given to you. And that, that day, Stephen, he made me realize that it is only a man who has leveraged his life completely for his Savior who feels that ready and that excited to meet him. I want to live like that too. I want to live like that too, knowing I'm going to be able to say, hey, Jesus, here's what you gave me. And this is what I did with it through your almighty and righteous hand that continued to hold me up. I want those crowns to lay at his beautiful nail-scarred feet. Not because I deserve them, because trust me, I do not. But because he deserves them. He deserves them. He's worthy of it all. And maybe you're in here tonight and you want that too. Oh, you want it too. Maybe you never knew how bad you wanted it until right now. But you've been scared. Because honestly, you aren't even sure what you can do with the gifts and with the abilities that he's given you. Until tonight, you never really saw yourself as seated on a gold mine of resources. You haven't pictured yourself that way. And maybe tonight you just need to come to him and ask him to open up your eyes. And to let you see yourself the way that he sees you. Or maybe you already know what they are. He's already been working in your heart. I've done this long enough to realize that's what he does. He's already been working in your heart. And you know what they are. And you've been counting the cost of using them, trying to decide if it's going to cost you too much. I promise you, you can't outgive them. You cannot outgive him. Try as you might. Give him every single thing that you have, and you will never, ever be able to outgive him. Amen. Tell him you're sorry. Ask him to help you stop hiding them in the ground and to help you live a life that is ready for his return. Church, let's do that together. Let's live that way together. What a force that will be. If there's something you need to pray about tonight, this altar, it's open. Don't wait. I know nobody likes to sit up front because, listen, if there's something that he's dealing with you in your heart about, don't, don't put that off. Don't let fear control you for one more second. We would love to pray with you. If you're here tonight and you don't know who your master is, man, make that right. Maybe you've heard us talk about his return and nothing puts more fear in your heart than that. Man, I'd love to tell you how you can come to know that he is your savior and your master and your best friend. I would love, our elders would love to talk to you about that. However he's dealing with your heart, you be, be, be obedient. Let's stand and worship together.